Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Jessica Townsend. And I'm Matt Croger. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Counter Charge tonight. And uh, tonight we're chatting to Dash 28 author Jess Townsend. Thanks for your time, Jess. Oh, thank you. So before we get into the episode, uh, Jess, we... You haven't been on the show before, so let's find out a little bit more about you and your history in gaming. Uh, so first up, why don't you tell us what part of the world you hail from and give us a bit of a description for all the listeners um, from from all the corners of the flat earth that we, that we have of where you are. Right. So I'm from Oxford in the United Kingdom. It's uh, famous for being the most expensive place in the country to live. Um, we have lots of idiot politicians educated here and we invented a stupid use for the comma um you might also know us from the anarchy where empress matilda was besieged and fled across the thames which is called the isis here because oxford yeah okay yep Mm -hmm. and so what what part (laughs) of the so for those that have some rough idea of the uk as a length are you kind of middle where where does oxford sit middle north south so we're we're just below the Midlands. If you imagine drawing a line between Oxford and Birmingham, we're we're kind of just just uh, south west of that. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of level with Gloucester in the middle. Yeah. Yep. Any of these awesome. names? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, to me anyway. I don't. I don't know about our American friends. You know, they'll um oh, they have fine. difficult outside um, their own their own their own borders, but um. You know that's fine. It, this so this will probably make no difference to them whatsoever. Well, in in, in that case, <laughs> if you if you drew a line between London and Birmingham in Alabama, it's pr- probably uh, somewhere along that line. Great. And tell me a little bit about your your history in uh, firstly wargaming in general, and then specifically fantasy wargaming. Right. So, are you aware of this game called Warhammer Forty Thousand? I am. You are? Okay. Mm. So just when they launched their second edition, uh, I started playing that. And I I was absolutely hooked until 2002 when the university I was at went really into its Warhammer fantasy tournaments. And I ended up buying an Empire army and blasting cannons everywhere Mm -hmm. and kind of got hooked from there. Uh, it was mm-hmm. brilliant fun. Uh, have had for years uh, an Avaland army painted up, ready to go. Uh, moments notice, sort of throw down some cannon, get going. Um, wherever I was in the country, whether I was at my parents in Birmingham, uh, just the local clubs I play in, where I was in university, would have the clubs and the the uni club there. I've uh, taken it up to Nottingham to loads of other places that most people won't have heard of <laughs> um, but hands down when it comes to fantasy wargaming warhammer quest is the best game ever made it, it doesn't mess it doesn't mess around with things like balance or consistency 
or anything other than sheer ridiculousness and it's so good mm. and that's that's the more dungeon crawling version of, of warhammer correct yeah that's yeah. uh back in the back in the days when you had card tiles and cards so many cards and so many tables mm. so and now, so many now tables. they just turn it into um into apps on devices <laughs> have you seen oh that? my goodness yes yeah i have i've yet to purchase the silver tower one but mm -hmm. um yeah warhammer quest warhammer quest 2 on the app i love them yeah they're, they're quite um I've, I've found them uh i i didn't play them all the way through but like as a just pick up and go i think they're they're quite enjoyable things aren't they they are they're great i love that they've got the humor so i mm -hmm. i ran into a bard at one point who offered to play some music or offer me a quest or something anyway i just beat him around the back of the head and took all his money uh. <laughs> uh, and, and what do you think what do you think really in, inspired you from that change towards more fantasy wargaming from the sci-fi i mean other than the fact that uni was running the leagues like what what do you think from a from an interest point of view drew you in basically warhammer 40,000 is a steaming pile of shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas fantasy wargaming, it, it sort of retained this um, sense of manoeuvre and your decisions affecting things and trying to catch your opponents into the right moves and planning out how your army would work together and deciding when to use your dispel scroll and, and things like that. Mm. It, it was something that a lot of the other games I was playing at the time just lacked. And it's yep. kind of what's got me back into back into it with Kings of War is that you've still got that moment you'll sit there and you'll spend five minutes figuring out what kind of dressage your cavalry is going to do. Yep. <laughs> and and whether you're going to establish a picnic on this hill or that hill <laughs> instead of a lot of other games, which tend to be a bit just run at everything. Yeah, I yeah. Don't, or I don't know a turn if... where all your stuff is gone and then you've got nothing to decide left to run at. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. well, what, what what am I even doing here? Yeah. But even even losing at Kings of War, there's still little victories that can be won. Yeah. You're still going, well, I, I could still just route that unit and just grab back a few points, and it's not outside the realms of possibility. And so then what brought you, so that sounds like a fairly, you know, what we would describe as, I guess, a, a classic mantic person's uh entry point very starting games workshop and then eventually finding their way to you know some mantic and for you obviously kings of war what what brought you around to mantic and kings of war jess uh, so there's uh, an amazing person called kate who has worked in their um resin casting department mm -hmm. and i would just see post after post of the like these really cool models that they got and these cool armies they were doing and and they poked me and go you should really play this and eventually i gave up and mm -hmm. i gave in and i haven't looked back since it's it's right. just been a breath fresh air yeah awesome and and what what are you particularly enjoying about it in terms of kings of war what what is that breath of fresh air is it is it the creative side is it the game side uh like what what is it that i guess keeps you coming back yes those those two are for certain also the the community 
which mm-hmm. has been again after the the Warhammer community is such a such a relief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Feminist Forty K. It was a a group which I got quite involved with on Facebook, mm. and we do various news points and articles, and um, just sort of fighting back against a lot of the aggressive misogyny that parts mm. of the community were showing. I I was writing articles, but having to do them under a, a pseudonym because wow. they would do things that there, there would be people who would do things like. Um, infiltrate the group and try and dox people or share screenshots out of context or get the page reported and try to take it down and and there was a lot of very very disgusting Mm. comments and threats just by the group's existence Mm. and I must admit coming out of that into the Kings of War community where people are just like I, I'm old. I'm tired. I just want to push some models around and have a laugh. Is really nice. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting point, Jess. I mean, this will speak to our uh, a little bit to our our main topic later. But I just find it bizarre in wargaming that you get behaviour like that. Len, let's be honest. The typical wargamer is someone that has probably been you know, isolated, maligned, <laughs> bullied. You know, they're not typically the cool kids at school, right? You know, so that how we can get to that point where we still do that to other people, it's just mind-blowing to me. I mean, I think that does pick up on it, though, is that when you've got people who've been sidelined and maligned, um, they can often get quite resentful. Anyone that they envision as being part of the the community that has has done that to them. Mm. So even if that perception isn't based in fact... They've got this wargaming bastion of of security, um, yep. what we might what, what we might term a safe zone, and the idea of the, the idea of people encroaching on that is is quite terrifying to them. Mm. And it's it's not based in logic, but when they envision that's being taken away, mm. they they can get very defensive. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, as you say, it's it's not based in logic, and often. Often that comes out in the commentary, right? You know, it's <laughs> for for anyone that sits back and is looking at it logically, you can see that quite clearly. But I think when when people are in it, it you know, the old saying, "If you can't see the forest through the trees," you know, it's uh, it just seems to yeah. be a bit like that, doesn't it? it? Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Coming back briefly to to Kings of War, do you get to play frequently? No, not frequently. Um, I've got a three year old. I've got a nine year old. They they team up on me and exhaust me and wear me down until I just give them ice lollies. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so getting away in the evening is, you know, I don't have the energy or the time. So frequently isn't a thing, but often is because there's quite a nice tournament scene. And because most of the places here are within two, three hours drive of each other, I get to find a weekend. So that's my weekend. I'm going to use it hanging around in a, a leisure centre or a community centre somewhere and play some games. And do you do you have an army that you you frequently pl- or that, that is most played for you? Or um, Yes, you yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's mm. the Northern Alliance. They, they oh, were the right. only, okay. yeah, they're the only thing that I really kind of got a hook on and, and liked to begin with. Uh, it's it's mm. a very f- fun, unusual kind of we're making this 
utopia often the literal worst place to live mm. uh, and it was like yeah i can i can get behind that that's really fun and yeah, okay. uh, one one day i might actually finish painting my halflings and that will become my main army yeah but for the moment i've got loads of ice elementals and some clans folk my naiads yeah yeah, so for you, it was, is it fair to say it was more the cannon behind yeah. the Northern Alliance? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Mm. I mean, also the models to an extent, because some mm. of the older Mantic sculpts weren't quite my thing. No. And and the, the Northern Alliance sculpts are beautiful. Absolutely mm. beautiful. You're doing the typical power gamer thing, Jess, of, you know, triple Frostfang Lords and... <laughs> what? No. Uh, no, no, good. No, I, t- I took my frost thing out because yep. I couldn't get in enough ice elementals. Ah, uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> you write for Dash 28. So yes. uh, t- t- tell us about how you got into that. I, I, I keep a blog um, where I've talked about wargaming for on and off over the years. And I wrote something and I posted it on Fanatics. And somebody went, oh, that's interesting and said hey why don't you come write for us and i went all right and that was as simple as that and i've been thrusting random words into a bag and forcing them to come uh, an article at knife point ever since <laughs> so was that was that mike that originally reached out or jake or no steve oh steve okay yeah great steve because we we share a really awful sense of humor if you've yeah, ever well, met steve Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely know Steve's got an awful sense of humour. Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, it's <laughs> wonderful. It's so it's one bad. Of, one I of the reasons it. I like him. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and was it, was, do you know what particularly caught their eye? What article that was? I don't know, but it was probably by scrolling back and me talking about the Yonic symbology of Games Workshop models. Because mm-hmm. um, okay. like you've got, uh, they released this wonderful model for Slanesh, which was two demonettes presenting a giant metal vagina. <laughs> such a, <laughs> such a great model, and mm. it's it's great as well. You've got all these guys going, "Oh, the Blood Angels are fantastic, aren't they?" And you're going, "Their their symbol is literally a chalice, mm. and their thing is blood." I mean, do do you? Mm. Do you understand what's being said here? Because mm. because if you don't, it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, for anyone that hasn't checked out Jess's articles, they're definitely worth a read. I, I really like, Jess, the, the humour and wit you inject into them. And I'd say, you know, our, our uh, audience is getting a little bit of a feel for that now. And uh, Dash 28 has a great feature, whereas if you wanted to specifically look at um, Jess's work, if you go and find one and... Uh, the the most the most recent one being about um, I think it was titled Queens in the Queens of Panathor Queens of War the tragedy Queens of Panathor's of... missing women missing women that's right it's, Im- and... it's important to get the full title because it's great mm. for clickbait 
Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. It was a cracking title. I actually had a question in here when I first write this about title, but then it became too wordy, so I removed it. But you do do you do do good headings. So and so yeah, what I was saying is dash twenty eight have a good feature. So if they find that one, which is I think that currently the most recent blog post, they can then click on your name and it'll take them to the list of all the ones that you've written for the website. Which when I was doing research, I it was more than I realized. So I got to have a bit more of a a read, and and it was also longer than I'd realized that you've been writing for them. But I think that's a little bit of the time warping of COVID in the world these days. Yeah. Um, how, how long has it been there? Oh, Is it God, 12 months? It's got to be longer, surely. Mm, oh, as in that like... you've been writing or COVID? <laughs> yeah, like either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I, think you've been, I think you've been writing for them for closer to 18 months to two years. Wow. I think the dates were. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah. And I and I so I saw various things of you. You've written some articles on various <laughs> characters in Panathor and how they take their tea. Um, yes, Vanguard hobby burnout, attending your most uh, your first event, and then um, you know the the crux of the clickbait title was this concept of uh, female representation in miniatures, but not from a character perspective. More in this, you know, where where are the women in our in the standard foot troops, basically, yeah. If yeah, I'm, yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. Is there? We'll we'll come back to that. But is there an area you enjoy writing most about? And and following on from that, are you given much direction by Dash Twenty Eight, or do you just write what you like? So I've got a lot of freedom. the 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 main appeal of the site is getting people into the hobby. So it's got things about unit breakdowns. You know what's what's a power unit, what's a filler unit, which is a rude way of putting it, I guess. Mm. But mm. but they they rank the units, they introduce people on how to play the rules. There's tactical advice, and the main traffic of the site is always driven by people wanting somewhere to go where they can get this advice, and and they can get a handle on the game. So the only times we're really given direction is making sure that that is up to date and is available for people so that they're getting the right information. Because so that's really, if, if if a hobby is going to grow, then people need to be able to access that basic information. And that's the mm-hmm. beauty of Dash 28 as a site, is it gives it you really easy to access. Mm-hmm. And I know it was when I was looking into the different things, I think it was their articles on Northern Alliance, which finally made me go, yeah. Absolutely. That's really the only direction we're, we're given is to keep it that kind of quality content. And outside of that, I get to talk about things like what I'm doing on the hobby bench, uh, my random musings. So one day I was just obsessed with Thomas the Tank. So I wrote about Thomas the Tank engine. Uh, and, and that was all right, because it, it just adds that sprinkles on the soup of the site. That's a weird analogy. I don't know where that came mm. from, but <laughs> but it, it's it's great to sort of add that extra bits in, which uh, a lot of gaming places don't always do. And and you'll see there's there's a lot of work they did on the US Masters, which mm. is absolutely brilliant. And there's a huge amount of stuff for if you're looking at the competitive game and list analysis. And if you're looking to up your your skills and refine your army, but there's not always that much if you just want to read some stuff about Kings of War. 
um, especially if, like me, you're actually not that good at the game and mm. you kind of want to race, waste some time elsewhere. Oh, yeah, I love wasting time. It's one of my favourite things to do, especially okay. uh, especially uh, when I'm in my own business. So, you know, yep, I've now, um, I don't know I don't know if you're a, a, a regular listener, but, you know, I've just rented an extra room at work so I can do my resin printing at work. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, I, um, you know, I'm a big fan of wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. What, what, print, what printer are you running then? So I just got, I always get confused with their names, but we just got delivered from Kickstarter, the, the big Jupiter, the Elegoo Jupiter. And we've got, we've got a Saturn one or two, I can't remember, that just currently sitting at a friend's house. But so we'll have two side by side soon running, um, running in the little room there. So that'll be good. Mm. That's, um, um, sorry, yeah. I'm just looking at that now. That's a monster. It is a monster. I tell you what, when it got delivered, I, I knew it was big, and then um, interestingly, I well, for the actually, I don't know how we avoided it this long, but the whole family went down with COVID, and I was like, I'm going to get this bad boy home, oh, so gosh. when I'm in isolation, I can use it. I almost killed myself getting it home. Like it was, <laughs> it's yeah. heavy. It's heavy. Yeah, that's a, um, a beast of a printer. Yeah, yeah. It must be a good. It must be a good thirty kilos, I reckon. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now I've got to get it back again after we've been out of isolation. So I haven't bothered to do that yet because it's a bit depressing to think about. <laughs> oh, but, but at least it'll be slightly easier this way around. Yeah, absolutely. So now we've found out a bit about you. So the, the next regular bit of our show is we do a bit of a hobby update. What have you been working on recently? Uh-huh. Well, it's Clash of Kings 2022, not this weekend, but next weekend. Mm-hmm. So I've finally finally got a display board i'm building my my army will go on it and it will look absolutely beautiful and i won't have to look at other people's beautiful display boards and go "Mm, mm, i'm really mm." Mm." (laughs) (laughs) how far off are you not that bad i mean the backdrop was a um kids frozen picture that i found in a charity shop and you put batteries in it and you click it and elsa's snowflakes light up absolutely oh, brilliant cool. mm. so then I've, I've just put down some cork and and painted over some stippling so i'm just gonna shove some tufts and ice on it tomorrow and mm-hmm. it should be done oh should great be done. Yeah. yeah yeah a week ahead that is that is yeah. so un wargamer of you <laughs> oh no I, I haven't finished painting olaf yet for one of my ice oh, creams right. yeah <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Myself, I'm I'm uh, beavering away on the on the halflings, both both printing and basing. I've been printing out some um, some resin bits to do multi basing with. I'm Ooh. going for a yeah. I've decided that as I was doing it, I was like, what am I what am I doing here? And I've decided I am going to write a bit of a story behind them, which is in the past has been very unlike me. But so they're going to have this story of um, so from printable scenery, they've got a halfling range. And part of it is they've got this, like, they're like dragon topiary. Oh, um, that 
and sounds so, amazing. Yeah, so I'm going to have, they're not going to be on every base, but on some, and it's going to be a, this idea that that the halflings live in this quite stark forest that's been burnt out at some stage. So they're, they're relatively mobile. They've got some carts and they just have wooden huts and things that they defend, but they keep coming back around these. They've got this fascination with dragons and they keep coming back to these dragon topiary that they had built well past, but the topiary had been saved by the magic that gives them spell ward. Uh, so that's yeah, so that's 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 kind of my thing for them. So I'll, I'll see I'll see how that plays out in terms of the basing. But um, I had all these bits and pieces. I'm like, how am I going to bring this together? And I'm like, all right, let's just make a story. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that, like it's it's just so nice having something as a hook which you can bring all this character just off this single single dragon topiary which is possibly the best sentence i've ever heard in my life is, yeah. <laughs> i've got this dragon topiary <laughs> uh, so it's cool they've got all these different size and shape topiary of dragons it's it, it's cool and um and and so then with the bar- bases being quite stark then the topiary and their their clothing and cloth is really the only pops of color so the the halflings themselves are all in pinks and purples and then the topiary will be you know brightish greens um so whereas the rest of like the trees and the ground will be quite dead in in, mm. in in a way yeah yeah so yeah. that's what yeah i've just been had a bit of trouble getting um halfling product actually i i um, really yeah I, I needed another army box and i'd been waiting a few months for a supply here and and then i went on and that the actual the not the mega army because i had one of those but the the army box itself has been out of stock for a while so um you Ooh. know just waiting on some extra stuff because i think with the halflings you really need a fair bit of foot troops yeah, but I'm loving the kits of the halflings, except except for the aeronauts. They're a dog to put together. Oh, I've yeah. heard this. Yeah, yeah, an absolute but, nightmare. So. But you, but you got aeronauts. Yes, I did get. Them. Yeah, gosh, mm. I tried, I tried and tried to find them early on, and they'd all sold out. So mm. I, I just went forget it and made my own. But it's uh, yeah. it's nice to know you've got them. They do. If you can get them together, they're so beautiful. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So I will I will persist, but um, they're kind of gone on the back burner while I paint other stuff so I don't get so depressed about putting those together. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be all right. Yeah. It will be all right. It will be all right, yeah. So let's get into the main bit of the episode that I wanted to discuss with you today, Jess, and that's the idea of female representation in wargaming. Um, and in general, not, not just the, you know, where are the forgotten women raised in your article because, you know, when I reached out to you as we discussed you know people can read that article so we'll, we'll do it a little bit more broadly than that yeah and they can yeah. they can read it they don't always bother to do so before sharing Commenting. an opinion on it no yeah. <laughs> that's that's actually coming back to the title is the dangers of having a piffy title is that some people go off on one at the title and never mm. bothering to click through mm. and, and even if they do click through looking at the words and not actually reading it. But. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, it was interesting because I that specific article, and I'll, I'll come back to the, the next bit of what I was going to say, but uh, that specific article I got my I got my wife to read and I said, oh, you know, just have a read of this. And I, I'm, I'm going to reach out to Jess and I'm going to see if she'll come on the show. And I said, and then go and look at the comments, which um, there'd been some chat in like the countercharge discord and things like that about some of the comments and people, which I think... I think on average, like if you'd posted that in a 40K group, it would have been a lot worse, right? I wouldn't have put my name on that in a 40K group. 
but but I just said to her, look look at some of these and like what what are they getting their noses out of joint? Because there's actually nothing that provocative in your article. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think. Like I, I just think it's this it's this idea of it's it's this just this idea of representation and that like by having representation, we afford the opportunities to people to see themselves in miniatures and hence we might open the door to war gaming for them. And I don't buy I don't buy the argument that oh it's a medieval setting or anything like that because it's not. It's a fantasy <laughs> setting. Like it's 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 not medieval. There wasn't medieval. <laughs> like I just I just I just don't get it. I don't get the pushback, and I don't get especially when they're presented as well reasoned opinion. It's just it's just something I I just I, I find fascinating. You know the push the pushback when articles like this are written. I mean, it's it it does show how much of a a kind of isolation you've had from it. That, that yeah, absolutely. It, it does yeah, seem yeah. surprising. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, actually. I was I was quite surprised by how supportive everyone was in the most part. Yeah, was... and I what what I'm not sure is well, actually, after talking to you more and and doing a little bit bit of research, is what what I wasn't sure of is is that kings or is that wargaming evolving? And I think a more, a, a big part of it is the type of crowd on average. That we have playing Kings of War, but I, I would also hope that wargaming in general is evolving somewhat. It's getting there. It's getting mm-hmm. there. Now, one thing I want to make clear to our listeners, and and this is from the point of view of somebody who, at, at face value, represents the majority of of wargamers, and that's me being a cis white, you know, reasonably middle aged male. <laughs> you you may or may not agree with what's discussed in this episode, but the reality is, for um, in my mind, is that our hobby is not as diverse as it needs to be. Whether that's uh, whether that's women or or other groups, um, I don't think it's as device, um, diverse as it could be at a, as a whole. And and for mine, I think that behooves us to ask, you know, why why is that so? And when you're asking why is that so, it's not it's not up to us as the majority to to decide why is that so. That we have to go to the people that have been marginalised or or have been not included, and we have to listen to their experience and then say, all right, well, let's take that experience and what do we do about it? So where I'd like to start with you, Jess, is is what has been your experiencing, uh, what what has your experience as a woman been like getting into wargaming, um, and I guess also just highlighting that you know our, our our conversation isn't specifically going to talk about Kings of War. It might at some points, but we're talking about experience of wargaming as a whole. Yeah, it's a really nice use of behooves. I so, love the word behooves. Yeah, it's a word which yeah. needs to be used more. Um, I, I anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so I I looked it up. And I started t- 28 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So... <laughs> It, it was kind of when I was younger and it was with friends and it, it was very isolated. So actually getting into it wasn't that difficult, but that's not a universal experience. So I've got friends and they've been sexually assaulted in gaming stores. Mm. Uh, they've been ignored by staff when you walk in. I mean, there's a certain worldwide game store which trains its staff to come and speak to customers now they talk to everyone who comes through the door but it was the case for many years where you'd walk through the door and you'd be assumed to be buying for your kids or your boyfriend 
or just utterly ignored. And going back four years ago, I walked into one of this gaming stores and the as I was browsing, there was someone saying some pretty misogynistic jokes and the staff were joining in. Mm. And I think they were joining in out of discomfort or out of not really thinking about it. But mm. it wasn't okay. And it's no. like, well, I'm I, I'm I'm here, I'm looking to buy 40 pounds worth of product and you've just made me feel really shit and and that's that's not okay when you look at all those things going up when you're when you're worried about being assaulted when you're worried about being ignored when you're worried about being belittled what's the actual motivation to get involved it's it's especially difficult when these things are discussed and people will blatantly say well i've never seen that yeah or why didn't you make a complaint to the police or Mm. the or or to the company or why don't you go and shop somewhere else and you go well but if but if i have to go somewhere else all the time where's left (laughs) and if going to the police actually saw cases of assault resolved there wouldn't be the issue (laughs) Yeah, and um, and we know that it doesn't, right? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. it's a case of five percent of sexual assault cases go to go to trial, and mm. about one percent actually end up with a conviction. And people that are making those comments, are, I mean, basically at the crux of it, they're invalidating your experience, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely, and it's it's just a, an inherent distrust. Of, uh, of of anyone who isn't confirming their view, mm. which again comes to a lot of the kickback I get is that because I'm not just nodding along and saying that their perception of the of the game is correct, um, there's a pushback. How much do you think? I mean, this is a this is a vast generalisation of war gamers, but uh, and I kind of touched on it at the start. How much of it do you think? comes somewhat from perhaps you know lacking adequate social skills within the gaming scene that we've got a group of people that perhaps have not been equipped appropriately do you do you you think there's much to it in that or do you think it's just the fact that you know we're we're they're used to being in an echo chamber and so that's what there there is and like you said earlier that any any view difference to theirs is just too threatening i mean it it does really come down to a sort of safe space for their experience that they've they've kind of built around as a as a place for their sanctity or identity or um to get away from things i mean hmm. it's not it's not all this idea of the uh, socially awkward young guy who's the problem there are there are men with with families with young daughters yeah. who will push back against this because they see it as their space it's not it's not space for women it's not uh, a reflection of that shared family room it's the Mm. kind of man cave of social spaces ties into wider social problems which i think we're not going to get into now because (laughs) they're 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 not a universal experience but but ultimately is this has been a a place where a lot of guys come to relax giving over to women there's a, a kind of Ooh, 
theory action. Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, I, I would absolutely challenge anyone to that, you know, making a space more inclusive actually does have any negative impact on that on on gaming for that for that person. I, I would I would absolutely challenge that. I don't think it does, and you know, I don't I don't believe change is that hard in terms of making an environment more welcoming. I'm, I I work in healthcare in Australia, and like with with different groups that have been you know um, maligned or, um, you know, discriminated against an example in our country is against indigenous peoples, right? It is Mm. not hard for us as, as health professionals to have some indigenous art in the waiting room or have some, you know, pro-indigenous voice things in the waiting room to make people feel more welcomed. And and I I also don't think it would be that hard pivoting in gaming spaces to start changing some of these things just about the environment to make women feel more welcome. Yeah, and, and gosh, if we're talking about that, then the problems that I'm facing in wargaming are nothing compared to the struggle of your indigenous cultures. Mm, yeah, like, yeah, and and yeah, and and look, I don't, yeah, I don't mean to compare them on that level, but just in terms of, I, I just, I just don't think it's that hard to change, to change environments to say, hello, I see you. And welcome to this space. Yeah, um, at the very least, saying I recognise that being in this space can be uncertainty for you. There's there's potential for things to go wrong, but there is uh, a route where you can be respected and listened. Uh, to to pull it back to um, wargaming, it's quite often you'll get in societies where you'll say this person has been a prick, and you'll turn around and you'll get some of the the guys I go no they I didn't see it they're, they're not like that you've misunderstood it was just a joke mm. and instantly you've you've called whoever said that a liar yeah you've been dismissed yeah, yeah. and and it, it's it's as simple as that like as you say you just want to show people that their opinion is respected but if you are saying welcome to this space um you're welcome here you kind of have to step up and show that. Yes, I agree. You know. Yep. Yeah, and I think, you know, despite the fact that we're not talking massively about control context, the fact still remains that if a woman walks into a wargaming space, not only is there context of that space, but there is a control context with a context that comes into that and a history of hmm. that, you know, over decades and centuries in particularly in, you know, white culture, that women have been dismissed. And so, you know, we do have to be respectful of that in my mind. And so what what do you believe are the biggest barriers, Jess, for a woman to get into wargaming? Well, oh, gosh, it's, it's hard to choose ones to point out and say the biggest because sometimes it's just the micro things which are the, the ones which just get you. But as far as big things go, you're in this space and you're uncertain. And we, we've talked about that briefly there, which is quite useful. And as well as this uncertainty, you're also quite intimate with the person across the table with you because you've got an hour, two hours, three hours where you're talking to them and you're discussing with them. And if you can't just go and talk to someone else because that means you have to end your game. Mm. And there's quite a lot of social pressure upon you start a game, you've got to carry it on. It's hard to walk away from a, a bad game. You've probably experienced that even 
just with people who aren't fun to play against. Mm. Uh, and so you've got to establish that trust and you've got to know that there's that, that trust that you're in a new place, you're playing a game with someone that you don't know, there might be a table right next to you where you kind of end up rubbing against someone. Um, you're you're often dealing with people who are, are drinking in some contexts, and you've you've got this huge issue of trust, and and that has to be that has to be addressed. You have to know that there is uh, a mechanism in that area that that can respect you and can be used to to address any problems uh, and that's a huge barrier is just being able to trust uh, the trust the environment and and then when you get slightly smaller you get down to a huge legacy of very cheesecake models uh, mm. which i don't know if you're familiar with the term I'm not familiar very, with the term, but I'm, I'm certainly familiar, I think, of, of where you're going with this. And it's something yeah. we talked about on a show recently. But, yeah, if you go, go ahead and, and ex- explain what you mean. So it's it's very nice to look at. It's very sweet, saccharine. It, it's pleasing, but not everyone likes it. Mm. Um, we're talking about cheesecake. Um, it's it's the, the whole idea. It comes from the idea of fan service and anime, uh, mm. which is... Again, it's very much for the male gaze. It's been decades of mostly straight guys saying, oh, great, that design looks brilliant. Let's let's make mm-hmm. a model. And they look at it and they've got this kind of great, really badass looking lady, which only appeals to them. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, right? Uh, I, I love looking at uh, women without clothes on. Um, Hence, hence, I'm married to a very, very sexy lady, but (laughs) (laughs) but I don't want that on the tabletop because that's not who we are day to day. No, and this is something we we discussed recently. Is and the problem I like like you say it's the fact a a big thing about it is the fact it's the majority, right? You know, I think. Until now in wargaming, if you see a female model, it is scantily clad, big-breasted, you know. And for a for for someone who is a you know who is a father of two girls, and uh, after the snip, I won't have any more children, <laughs> so I'm going to only be a father of girls. What I want to be able to do is, if they want to get into wargaming, is them to be able to look at a look at a box set, and this kind of goes to your unremarkable women as well, right, but also just diverse women. Like I want them yeah. to be able to see that there's a variety of body shapes and sizes when they choose to paint a woman on um, as part of well, whether they paint or game or whatever, not not just something that their only option shouldn't be, yeah, what some straight white male has decided looks good for him. And actually, this gets back to Games Workshop, and one of the one of the things that they're doing well is there is at least one person in the Games Workshop design studio who has a thing for butch women, and yep. <laughs> that that person is a gift. Yeah, because we've had some fantastic models out of them lately. Mm. It's it's been really lovely to see. You know, and we're and. 
And I, I mean, my hope is we'll see more of it as it does become normalised. You know, we're starting to see this more normalisation in, in children's movies and things like that too, um, right? You know, I'm thinking, I mean, your kids are young enough to like uh, the sister in Encanto, you know, of, uh, oh, you know, different yes. body shapes. Like what a cracking character that is. And, you know, that's what we need to see if we want women to yeah. play games is that they've got to be able to see themselves on the table and so, and see that you know what it's not like it, it's okay if you don't have your boobs out everywhere you know it's okay where you choose to dress the way you want to dress and it's okay that you look the way you want to look you know it's uh, um it's inspiring as well seeing a really unremarkable woman in a fantasy setting because that lady who is the third spear from the left is still really powerful and really badass compared to our normal lives. And you've got a bit of an escapist fantasy there. Yeah, well, she still has a story, right? Yeah, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Even if it's yeah. really boring, you know, she's yeah, still yeah. going out and beating up on orcs yep. and de- defending her home. And maybe she's got a husband and children back home and she is marching off to the front to protect them. Mm. And and suddenly that's that's just inspiring that that there you are and you're you have the, the option to be that person. Um and to, to carry on with our point, misogynistic humor. Oh god. <laughs> mm. Oh god, oh god, oh god. It's so bad. Um there's there's this ingrained idea in so many hobby spaces that you lie to your wife Mm. about spending money and that you have to get permission from the wife before purchasing stuff and i mean Mm. like obviously like you're you're a partnership yeah Yeah. like why, why is this a joke and look i'll put my hand up i've been part of that crowd you know, yeah, it is interesting because it's, you know, I, I do discuss those, although most of the time I try and buy things on my business, but not to not to hide it, but say my business pays for it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah if I want to buy something from the hobby, it's a conversation anyway. And I can't remember the time that there's been a no, you know, it's like, yeah. so, so the, the, the joke that I have been a part of isn't even true. Right. Yeah. It's, it's you're just perpetuating it for to be included in this culture that actually isn't adding anything to the game. Well, no, it just it sets men and women and well, men and women, or you know, different, um, uh, you know, uh, the opposite sides of a couple. It's it sets them up yeah. more as combatants rather than you know together, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Where do you see that, like, if, if we were rating things, where do you see the contributors lying most? Like, you, you've listed those biggest barriers, but do you think that comes from that we're still seeing a hangover from previous cultural norm that in, in terms of, you know, this is something that only men did or, or do you believe the biggest contributor to or barrier is the community now? I mean, at, at face value, there seems to be a very slow increase in the number of women participating and and. I should add a more diverse crowd in general, but it is slow. But where where do you see the biggest block being? I mean, previously you, you've had, uh, at, at least it's true here culturally, women wouldn't have the same free time as men, and 
there'd be other pressures and societal expectations which would drive them away from from the hobby mm. certainly that would have been true 40 30 years ago and as we've we've got uh, as, uh, as we've made progress as a as a society it keeps that hangover and it keeps early marketing decisions but the biggest thing is going back to the the gaming spaces and and even in places where like i can say yeah the the kings of war spaces i've been in are are great it's it's hard for anyone else to take my word at that because mm. my experience won't necessarily be their experience and it and yeah. it comes from building that trust because i know so many women who absolutely adore Warhammer 40,000 mm. they and and they they buy the models they paint the models they read the books they play the computer games uh, they they go to live role playing events um where they'll dress up as uh commissars or imperial guards or, or or any number of things and just really get so much out of this diverse setting not not like not a culturally diverse setting but a mm. narratively diverse setting where so many things can be true at once and it's evocative and it's deep and it's expansive and it's inspiring and it's ridiculous all at the same time and they absolutely adore it but they do not adore being in a gaming space that really is that that point of play is the the biggest issue i mean actually it's it's come up in the last few days uh, i have a friend and she won a writing contest for mantic about six years ago mm -hmm. and she wrote a beautiful piece about green lady and i was speaking to her and she goes oh i i you know i really found the kings of war law interesting and, and something i wanted to get into but as far as i'm aware she she wouldn't travel to play in a tournament hmm. because it's there's no certainty of what that space will be like yeah. and, and yeah that that really is the biggest contributor at the moment is a legacy of of trust yeah and and for mine you know i'm so i'm so sorry for all those people that have had those experiences or that don't feel safe because you know as as a community uh, we want to grow and I think there could be such growth by providing these safe spaces, you know? Well, it's it's not providing a safe space. It's providing a welcome space where a you're supported space, yeah. because you're if you're building a safe space, that's meant to be shielding people from um, a difficult uh, a, a difficult stimulus. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's it's allowing them somewhere to recover before they go back out and we don't mm. want that for a gaming space there's no need for that as a gaming space mm. it has to be a, a respectful space and it and it doesn't just go for women it goes for people of color as well in that you've got there's there's quite a lot of racist gamers and mm. you'd be surprised uh, i mean d just the just the small little things that you don't even realize are are 
minor annoyances which when done over a whole community are just driving people away and then that's something to consider as well and also one thing i'm very proud of kings of war for is uh is is money and there are people who can go and afford to buy a a new army for 300 400 500 pounds and there are people who scratch build their army from uh bits and pieces they have lying around the home and they're all welcome at tournaments and that's that's brilliant actually that's really good yeah Uh, no i agree i agree after you wrote your most recent article i I saw this, uh, what I'm going to turn a frankly ridiculous comment on the Dash 28 <laughs> main page under your oh. article. Yeah. Oh, which one? Um, yeah, from somebody. I, I don't think you'd commented yet when I last looked at it, but it was from somebody saying that, you know, basically what's this article doing here? Women do not care about wargaming. And the first thing to me that makes that laughable is, well, it's written by a woman. So obviously there's a woman who cares. <laughs> um, and And it's... It's obviously a statement from an inflexible mind as there's lots of reasons that until now there's been the potential appearance of a woman not caring. But but the reality is, and the, the point of your article about unremarkable women, is that if we want a little girl to be able to pick up and play, that they should be able to see them represented, cells represented in, in a fantasy world or a sci-fi world because the reality is, is we're writing these worlds, you know, Yes, they like I, I can I can see the argument in historical war games, right? I can see an ar- argument there for lack of diversity, but not in fantasy and sci-fi settings. I mean, what do you mm. think of that? So I have in in my historical stuff, I'll actually go and look at some of the 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 statistics, and I think. Um, I think the last one I looked at was maybe Napoleonics. Mm-hmm. And it said for people of colour, you were looking at maybe one in ten at mm. the and uh, on uh, getting involved in in the army in some way. And that wouldn't always be frontline soldiers. It might be somewhere along the lines. Uh, they they might be uh, fetching and carrying stuff. Or there might be certain parts of the colonies where they are m- more represented, and, and you start to look at it and you go, "Well, actually, the 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 case against diversity in historical settings is uh, it only holds so much water because there were women who followed on behind the the camps and who." did washing who did repairs who did cooking um who who were ladies of the night uh, and you can find ways to represent them in your mm. army without them being combatants so you could have water carriers who are also your casualty markers and you can have a, a a dice on the same base as them as they're following around your unit mm-hmm. picking people up and you can have, especially say for the American Civil War, if you're painting up your troops, even in the Confederate ranks, or, or maybe more so in the Confederate ranks, as you actually got a bit more segregation in the Union, and then you've got the the Massachusetts. Anyway, um, but you, you 
you do want to crack out the paints and, and do a person of colour every so often. Even if it's one in a unit, one in every two units, for most periods of history, that's more accurate than them just being entirely white. It's a, it's a really good point, Jess, a really good point. Yeah, and, I know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, and then, and yeah, and this point that, like, women just don't care, I just, like, I, I, I think there's there's something very cultural in that, but I just don't buy it. Because they yeah. do. I mean, you 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 spoke to it. You spoke to it before. You've you've got a whole bunch of friends that'll dress up as forty k and go to conventions and things, but they won't game. So, but they won't game because they because of other reasons. It's not that they don't care. Yeah, the the people who aren't caring are the people who are opposing um, yeah. things getting better. Mm. Those are the people who don't care because they're all right. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but it's interesting you, you pick up on your, your daughters. I've got uh, a nine-year-old daughter myself, and mm. they they did Games Workshop did a Warhammer Adventures series. And I, I don't want her reading the 40k ones because they they not so much gloss over, but don't really explore the horrors of the Imperium, which mm. I th- I think is such an integral part of the 40k setting, is mm. realizing that your heroes are awful. Um but mm. In in the the Age of Sigmar books, she absolutely adores them. It's this group of kids, and they go on these adventures, and like they've they've been sure to to have a really diverse cast of characters. And the adventures aren't particularly amazing, but they do kind of go into the lore of the realms and the style of the different factions, and it, it's a great introduction to the point that she's then. Uh, the people who collect the the, the magazines, the um, you build your army magazines, will send her the law sections, and she just devours it. She loves it mm. um, to the point that she was scaring the crap out of her grandmother the other day by talking about Nagash. <laughs> oh, I mean, and that is such a gateway, isn't it? Like oh, gosh, it, it, yeah. you, you, you can imagine that it's not it's not far from her to jump to. Well, how can I represent these on a table? You know, what, yeah. What what can I do here? Like, I, like you're right. I, I think that's I think that's fantastic because I think, I mean, for a lot of us growing up, I mean, I'm I don't know exactly how old you are, Jess, but you know, fantasy books are what got us in, right? It's what oh, it's what yeah. made us it's what made us fall in love. And I know that books are somewhat less of a thing these days, but. We didn't fall in love with wargaming because, and fantasy wargaming in particular, because we just found wargaming. You know, the majority of us came in via that avenue of having read something about a world that we wanted to immerse ourselves in. Oh, yeah. Narnia, um, Lord of the Rings. Yep. Uh, some of the, oh, gosh, what were the, just just if you're at a bookstore and there'd be just a, a random rubbish fantasy novel you could pick up and just yep. read it and and a lot of the children's fiction is about exploring fantastic worlds. It's, yeah. it's good and, fun. And, and, and even if it doesn't have, you know, elves and dwarves, just magic, you know, yeah. just magic, like your your classic, um, you know, your porn of prophecy and things from, you know, it's just, just that's how we got in. That's our um, gateway drug. 
Absolutely. Um, so one thing that stood out to me in your article um, was this, uh, and we've mentioned it a few times now, was this discussion around unremarkable women. <clears throat> and I wanted to hone in just a little bit because I think there's we there are some cracking female characters in Panathor. Um, oh, but, but I... And I feel like my previous statement was more along these lines, but that and that we want to see people able to see the versions of themselves in a game as the more unremarkable. So to build on this, and we've also touched on it somewhat, is we probably do need to continue to look at how women are represented when they are included. Would you agree in terms of how they're presented, you know, as a rank-and-file troop member? Oh, gosh, yes, please. Mm. Like, because as you, we've, we've, we've got this... Oh, it's it's actually as a as a cast of characters, um, Kings of War does really well with representation. There's there's a lot going for it there, and you can you can just name a few off the top of your head. I suspect go. Uh, well, you mentioned one Green Lady. Yeah. Oh God, you've put me on the spot here. Uh, there's oh, there's the new halfling character. What's her name? Uh, she uh, makes. She doesn't. Uh, is, she, is she the one that makes yes. everyone nimble? Oh no, she steals. She steals the magic. Steals item. magic items. Uh, Ali, oh. I, I always Ali McSween. Uh, Ali McSween. Ali McSween. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to say Ali Macbeth, are you? I was going to say uh, Ali McBeal, but yeah. All oh, right, Ali uh, McBeal. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, like, we've got a couple. I think. Oh, there's there's a really good rat character. I mean, there's a, there's a few, yeah. right? But but they are. But again, I mean, part of the problem there is I don't think we've seen real development of the story behind anything in Mantic's world yet. No, um, but you can you can visualise them. Just talking mm. about it, you can visualise them. Mm. And you weren't just picking on one faction. You're no. thinking, oh, there's a rat one, there's a halfling one. You know, yep. you, you've you've got, and that's that's really great. But that's not it, it's not representative of the world. You know, you can you can have yachts floating to the top, but that that doesn't mean that the the tugs are. No, that's that's right, and it does not have to be representative of our current world, which is you know a woman only makes it to the top by fighting tooth and nail against all the straight white men, right? <laughs> like like we, yeah. we 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 have an opportunity to write something different. Yeah, and in, and it goes back to how we got in, in that you've got uh, Terry Pratchett is probably someone that loads of people in the wargaming hobby have read, and he is fantastic for for pulling people up on stuff and going, is that what you really mean? I mean, do, do you not want to look around you at the, the world and consider things? And you've got uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, who again is an absolute legend of of fantasy and sci-fi writing and she doesn't tie herself down to society as we know it she she goes well let's let's look at this what if the world was an archipelago um Mm. what if we didn't have an idea of gender but you had a society based on really strange ideas of uh Uh, of saving face Uh, and what would that mean for the world and what kind of people would that produce Mm. and when you just fall back on your your classic dwarves elves you're not why why are you even a fantasy setting at that point is it is it just so you can have magic and dragons because 
magic and dragons can have so many interpretations and you can look at how that affects people as well but often you don't you just have we throw a fireball and it it's it's selling the genre short by not sitting down and going what can we do with this or why would this be true within this context Uh, i mean there's there's so many additional questions uh which one i used to say in the warhammer community was in the grim darkness of the far future there is only war but not so much war that the women have to fight yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah uh, i i i see that and i think that's like the the whole the crux is is we have this word right fantasy you know, but fantasy doesn't have to be fantasy doesn't have to be something that we think can never come true. Fantasy can yeah. be something that we we aspire to. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, 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 I totally agree with you. I think it totally sells a genre short. Yeah, because because to me, fantasy kind of means, well, let's write what we want, you know. Yeah. Let's create what we want and 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 what do we want. And it and it looks you, you look at the Kings of War, the the founding myth of the the setting is brilliant because an elf wanted to he he found this lady attractive and he went, Hey, we should get together. And she said no. And he went, No, really, we should get together. And she said no. And he went, mm. All right then. And he went away and he instead of using all his supposed brilliance to do something of of great worth he made a, a mirror that yep. could see the future and instead of going hey i've got a mirror that can see the future and imagine all the lives i can save he went hey we should totally get together and simply because he saw her as a prize and didn't respect her autonomy and her consent the the world went to shit and that's such an interesting premise for a setting mm. And 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 do you know do you know what's even though like I was getting ready for this and thinking about this a lot this this discussion that is the first time I've contemplated that and that you know that and that just shows my background right that you know I don't sit there and read that and go here's a classic case of men behaving badly you know <laughs> and, yeah I, I think when we look at things with a different lens it's it's you're right that's a there's a cracking lesson in that, isn't there? Yeah, it really is. And, uh, and it's not yeah. subtle. No, <laughs> and, no, no, and, not at all. But mm. but from that, why why do we then have a world where men have any kind of authority? You know, clearly proven themselves to be useless. <laughs> yeah, actually, there's a there's an interesting show on on Prime that's exploring that. Ah. Oh. I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically this person who's doing tests on um, has two identical group of young men and young women on an island, and she's trying to prove that you know young women will come together and and do it better, and then to use that as you know a change in leadership of the world. It's it's oh, a really interesting show. Yeah, oh, I wish I could remember what it was called. Oh, it's one of the ones being yeah. advertised on Prime. Yeah, yeah. It's only got two seasons so far, but it's it's a it's a really good watch. So on on. I'd like your opinion on on average. How do you think Mantic are doing in moving towards better representation? So we see quite a few female figures in the halflings, and 
And my understanding, um, based on a, a comment, I think, on your article in Fanatics from one of the people that work at Mantic, is that the ogre range will be much closer to 50-50. Um, yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts? How, how's Mantic doing? Um, all right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not going to stand there with a horn and, and say that they're, they're doing fantastic. They're just doing mm. all right. That's, yep. that's what we like to see going forwards. Why I don't stand on a, a table and, and shout about how great they are is because I actually, uh, at, a, a, at a tournament a few months ago, we actually sat down with Ronnie and mm. kind of began to broach the subject of um, representation and this. And he had this idea for introducing, because the, the dwarves currently, uh, as Mantic understands the law are a very segregated, gender segregated society. Mm-hmm. And and there are some writers trying to challenge that and change it and and, and explore what that could mean and, and what it would mean to have a segregated society in a fantasy world. And he he was like, Oh, well, it's narrative laziness to just to say there just is equality. And mm-hmm. I fundamentally disagree with that statement but let's let's not dwell on that let's just accept that as okay that that's the decision that's been made there Mm. and and one of the ideas he put out there was he liked the idea of because there'd been so much war and so many of the dwarven men had been killed the women stepped up and went well we're gonna fight i was like oh yeah no that sounds great Mm. and and then he went, so we could have the berserker, fa- the the berserker unit or the berserker faction. I was like, sorry, you what? <laughs> yeah, women gone mad. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Get, w- w- what? Yeah. You, you you're talking about some of the, the the, like the the idea of the dwarven smiths as some of the the best out there, and these women instead of going into the armories and picking up really good equipment are going to go let's be berserkers yeah 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 let's <laughs> let's not wear any armor and just charge headlong into the fray <laughs> yeah and let's let's yeah. survive on our anger alone and you get well yeah. it, even even if that wasn't a bit of an odd idea given the context of, of the the dwarven smithies um do, do you not think that there might be a, a wider cultural joke mm. which is being missed there yeah do, do you think do you think like in a in a broad world in a broad fantasy world <clears throat> do you think there's an argument for some races being segregated or do you oh. in your opinion think that we should be representing all races with equality it's it's absolutely fine to have segregated races but that can't be the end of it yeah because you've got to then look at the reality of that mm. and the people who push against that and who break the mold i mean historically a lot of the women who rise to the top are women who have gone against the grain have gone against the mm. segregation and we know them more for their rebelliousness than for their conformity so if you're having a segregated faction then you've got to have people who are remarkable in spite of who they are and who have had to fight and you've got to you've got to point that out 
Um, and it's a it's a common trope to have uh, uh, in a system where there is an enslaved class of people to have the rebellious leaders. And we, we kind of see them as a, an heroic figure. And certainly I remember in Necromunda, they'd have the pit slaves and the uh, rebellious, um, like the rebellious gangs of them. And they were exceptional. They weren't representative of the reality of most of these uh, enslaved people. And they were exceptional and interesting because of that segregation. Uh, and so, yes, it's fine, but you've got to put in the legwork. You've, you've yep. got to make it mean something. Yeah, and, and and like you say, that doesn't mean that you can't have representation in models, right? And like I go back to your examples about historical wargaming. It is not hard to be creative, yeah. you know, about yeah. about how you still, like even though you have a segregated society, how you might still have some representation within your model range for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so Jess, when it when it comes to how we participate in wargaming, there's obviously gaming clubs for casual play and you know, or casual tournaments or whatever. And then there's the more formal tournaments. Do you think there's specific barriers to either of those options when it comes to gaming? Definitely. So one of the things I've experienced is our local gaming club would meet in a, a function room above a pub, and that meant I'd have to go into town. I'd have to walk through um, the middle of town with my with my models uh, at night when there's quite a few drunken people about. Mm-hmm. I'd have to go to a pub. And then when it was late at night, when people had been doing more drinking, I'd have to exit mm-hmm. through that pub. And that, that, that was a bit off-putting. Mm-hmm. You know, because it... It takes an environment where you're not always sure you can trust and you have to go through an environment that you're not always feeling safe in to get there. Yeah. And, and that's that's quite a barrier. You know, that's quite a specific barrier. And it's not always practical. You know, I don't mm. expect everyone to suddenly change their venue overnight, but you've got to look at some of these physical barriers to your your club or your tournament and say is it is it a safe area for people to go you know is it going to be when we finish and everyone goes home it's going to be kicking out time at the pubs or the clubs you've got to say if someone's in a wheelchair can they physically get into the room Mm. you know is there is there a ramp is there a lift uh what about outside are there paths which actually get them to the door um what about buses? If someone can't afford a car, can they get to the to where you are? Mm. And it, it's it's all these are very tangible, very specific barriers to inclusion before you've even got to it. And it and then it's it's not so much as this somewhere that women can't go. It's it's it, it has a a whole host of knock on effects, and it, it can lead to your local community being very limited in mm. in, in potential and. Like again, Kings of War is has been good for my next point that I have been to tournaments and they are in well ventilated rooms. We're not too closely crowded together. But there are some tournament spaces which I've entered into and just immediately gagged. Mm-hmm. It, <laughs> and and I know that the the trope of the D 
disgusting, sweaty war gamer is it is quite horrible, and it's mm. not not something I want to perpetuate. But at the same time, when you've got a lot of guys close together in a hot, sweaty room, mm. it it happens. It's it's mm. disgusting. Oh, we had a classic case yeah. of this, our biggest convention around here. It was it's it's known for that because the ventilation isn't that good and they pack people in. I remember getting into Warhammer Fantasy and in the tor- tournament pack for it, they would say, please wear deodorant in big capital letters. Like, Gosh. <laughs> like, yeah. It was written in the tournament packs. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. like I'm I'm glad that people are addressing that, but my mm. God, if you're if you're um if your deodorant is links, then please just <laughs> yeah, we're talking just... desperate, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but that's a serious thing, and and that mm. that is immediately off putting because as much as I want to play a war game, I'm I'm just not prepared to be in that environment. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've got better things to do in my life. <laughs> and then it comes down to club culture, and even if you've got a respectful and welcoming area in principle you know just just have a discussion in your in your club and say can we nominate a greeter so that when someone walks through the door they say hello and you've instantly got a point of contact because mm. that makes all the difference really does and and if you're if people are oh no it's a pain in the ass to do that then set up a rotor but but always have somebody even if they want to play and they're not going to just sit there on their the backside doing nothing put them on the table nearest the door so they can look up and say hi yeah just just have some way of of acknowledging people's presence and and that that goes a heck of a way to making a, an environment much more welcoming yeah I mean, literally welcoming yeah absolutely and so if i gave you two things only to change to increase participation where you and where would you believe that most of the energy should be diverted jess so first and foremost get more women get more people of color get more get get more diverse experiences in the decision making process mm-hmm. you know they, 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 there's so much that could be avoided just by having any woman look at something and go that's a terrible idea, and 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 it's as simple as that. I mean, don't ideally you would you would have a more diverse staff, but again, that's not always practical, especially for a smaller company. Yep. But there are plenty of us out here who don't mind just scanning an eye over something and going, "Have you have you considered?" Or that's great, but perhaps you might want to look at this because. Not everyone has every experience, and when you've got a, a you know, we've we talked about it. So the the cis straight white male writes something and shows it to his mate. You know, his mate has got different experiences from him and can offer some really great feedback on what he's written. And if he shows it to another mate, then they can again say, oh, you know, maybe you haven't thought of this. And between three people, you've you've developed your idea Uh, and given that it works in that context let's let's open the floodgates and get even more uh views in there because more feedback can only ever make better stuff 
Well, 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 whilst it's true that too many cooks spoil the broth, not everyone has to be a cook. But you can have mm. every, but you, but you can have so many people look over the ingredients list and go, "You realise that rocks don't go in soup." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's also choice of cooks, right? So, like yeah. in your analogy there, if if someone shows a mate, well, yes, their experience will be different. But if they're, you know, from your immediate friendship group, immediate socioeconomic area, that their experience is more likely to be closer to yours, right? So yeah. let's choose a few cooks that, you know, work in different areas. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, let's let's have our let's have our dessert chef different to our main chef because my goodness, then you'll get a great main and a great dessert. Mm. I, I love a good food analogy. What would the second <laughs> thing be, Jess? <laughs> <laughs> so um making the law more accessible. Because when you've got people who aren't comfortable or aren't able to go into a gaming space, the other best way that you can get them into a setting, into a game, into a, a franchise is by letting them read it, letting them experience it. I mean, I I spent ages trying to get my head around Kings of War because mm. you, you've got the rule book has got it's, it's got this history that is chopping and changing. Yeah. And some of the army write-ups don't necessarily correlate exactly with the history mm. write-up. And to be honest, when you've got this age and this age and this age, you're struggling to get a sense of the time scale. Mm. And you're like, you know, there's a war on winter, but how does that relate to what's said here? And it took a long time to get my head around it. And when the different factions come to prominence and where different things happen in the, the law and if you make that accessible and if you make that more understandable, you'll start to get people hooked because once you're hooked, you you start to see the the little gems that are are really worth latching onto and experiencing. Uh, As Mm. I say, when I finally found the Northern Alliance, I was like, yeah, that's me. Mm. Um, But there are people who are goblin mad and I love those people. And Mm. they're usually a bit mad themselves, right? I know that's what's great, but they're mad. <laughs> but they're mad within a, a controlled setting because yeah. I can, I can sit with someone who's goblin mad and go, "Aren't Snotlings? Are they Orklings in Mantic? Anyway, Orklings, aren't Snotlings? Yeah, yeah. yeah mm. aren't Snotlings great?" And they'll go, "Yes, they are." And I'll be like, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're friends." <laughs> it reminds me of is it Seinfeld? You know, you like red cordial. I like red cordial. We're best friends. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I I think that's also a goblin conversation yeah, starter. Yeah. Too, so. <laughs> uh, and so, as we come to the end of the show, Jess, we we usually do some shout outs. Is there anything or anyone in particular you'd like to give a shout out to? Yes, I will shout out to everyone who is reading or writing on Dash Twenty Eight. You are the best people. And if you don't read Dash 28, you should totally do. All our articles are dolphin-friendly, no added sugar, uh, GM-free. <laughs> you know, wh- why wouldn't you? Part of your five a day. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, I can t- I totally concur. You know, there's some there's some cracking content on there. And if you haven't looked before, go and spend some time having a browse because there's um it it, it covers all facets, really. Yeah. Um and it, it's a great web- website that um you know that Mike started up 
and and the the contributors are fantastic. So myself personally, I'd like to shout out our Countercharge Ongoing Mantic Hobby Challenge. Uh, so make sure you're, you're jumping on the monthly threads and posting updates. Uh, we want to see your Mantic armies on the table. Uh, Clash oh. of Kings Australia 23 tickets are live on cowaustralia.com. So head there to check it out. Uh, yes, Jess, did you have something else you wanted to shout out? No, I was just, uh, sorry, I was just uh, intrigued by your hobby challenge. I'd not heard of that one. Oh, yeah. So if you, we, we have a countercharge Facebook group. So if you're, if you're not part of that, um, we've been going for a few months, but the idea was to kind of get 2,000 points on the table by the end of the year and Mantic have given us some prizes. And so we're just going to, it's not a quality challenge, it's a participation challenge. So, and it doesn't have to be Kings of War only. So some people are doing firefight and, and different things. Right. Guess I'm finishing my half things. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be great. We've got a few halflings armies. Dave Fanning just posted um, a picture of his EJs um, with smoke and lights. Yeah, oh. all the smoke and lights coming out. So you should jump on and have a look at that because they look fantastic. fantastic. That yeah. is my next. That's my next stop. Yeah. So Jess, I wanted to take an opportunity before we head out to just say thank you very much for your time to providing. Um, opinions thoughts context on you know i uh, i mean the reason for doing this this episode is i don't think we hear enough of it so um thanks very much for for giving up on your time on what is a there's an alarm for giving up your time on on what is a friday night for you yeah that's great i'm really boring and unremarkable i wouldn't be doing anything else with it (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right well we'll um we'll leave it there for the night uh and until next time keep counter charging thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on counter charge please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on twitter at countercharge15 or by commenting on the countercharge kings of war podcast facebook group If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. <laughs> that that that's exactly right. You can uh, you can start exactly like that as long as you don't forget <laughs> your name after it. <laughs> oh, right. Apologies. <laughs> Welcome, puny mortals, to Counter Charge. I'm Jessica Townsend. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> Are do. you happy with that? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs>